Well, this morning, we're going to go to Psalm chapter 1, and uh, just go ahead and turn there if you have your Bible. And before we read it, I just want to say this to you, that Hebrews 4 and 12 declares that the Word of God is alive and powerful. In the Word of God, you find truth that is life-changing. It actually has the power to change your life. And so this morning, I believe, as we, we go through this Psalm chapter 1, that there is truth here that can absolutely transform your life. I want to read through it once, and then we'll go back and we'll work our way through it. We'll keep coming back to it through the message. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It begins with this word, blessed. Blessed. Blessed is someone who has the favor of God on their life. They are in a happy state, but it is much more than that. To be blessed is an overall state of well-being. I think that some people in the United States, when they hear the word blessed, they automatically think of material things. And I want you to know that it is certainly way, way more than that. There's a lot of people with money that are not blessed. There's a lot of people with money that are miserable. But... Proverbs 10.22 tells us the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. I just want you to know when you're blessed, God blesses you in every way. Some teachers of the day have started saying that, you know, they're, they're always trying to simplify, but in the process, sometimes they're watering down the Word of God. And so some today are, are saying that anywhere you see the word blessed, you, you can just put the word happy in there. No, no, no. That is not right. And you're going to see that real clearly, real simply this morning. I mean, it, you don't have to be a theologian to know better than that. Now, certainly, when God blesses His people, yes, His people are happy. But I just want you to understand that the word blessed means so much more than that. It is so far beyond happy. Happy's a start, but it just doesn't do it justice. So let me explain it this way. The opposite of happy is... Sad. The opposite of blessed is, oh, not very many of you know that. Come on now. I mean, it's all through the Bible where you see blessing and cursing juxtaposed. I mean, they're opposites. In fact, God tells us to choose blessing, not the curse, right? And Jesus said that in regard to others, we are to bless those who curse us. What's the opposite of bless? curse. Yeah, it's not sad. I mean, if you're not blessed, yeah, you got a reason to be sad, but 
I, I just want you to understand that, you know, if, if, that was, if that was it, then anybody ever sad? Well, come on. Some of you are afraid to raise your hand. What's this crazy preacher going to do? I'm sad sometimes. Sad things happen in this world. I mean, you lose a loved one and, you know, things... There's sad times in this world. Does that mean you're not blessed? No. See, how cheap it is to make it just about being happy or sad. It's, it's much, much more than that to be blessed. It is a supernatural thing. Something that you can't get from the world. Something that ungodly people don't have. I mean, un, even the ungodly, they have some moments of happiness, right? But they don't have this, the blessing of God on their life. Blessed. You know, the Scripture promises us all kinds of blessings. Blessings of health, blessings on our family, blessings of provision and protection, blessings of prosperity and promotion and victory and favor with God. I think that covers a lot, but there are literally thousands of blessings in the Word of God that are available to us. It is a book of blessing and to be blessed, I'll say it again, it is an overall state of well-being. It's so far beyond happy. Another antonym that you could use for the word blessed would be miserable. Miserable. Cursed, miserable. I want to be the polar opposite of miserable. Blessed. That's blessed. Why aren't more people blessed? It is either because they don't know the Scripture or they ignore the Scripture they know. Because this is for us. It is for the people of God. You know, some people get the idea that some are just lucky. You know, some people think that Mary was just lucky. You know, she was the chosen one, and she was just lucky. And in fact, when Jesus was teaching one day, there was a woman who calls out, blessed is the woman that gave you birth and nursed you. And Jesus says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and do it. You see, the enemy of your soul, he wants you to think that, no, the blessings are only for certain people. You know, there's some that are just lucky, like God picks them out, and so they're blessed. And I realize that sometimes it looks that way, but you need to understand that that is a deception. The truth is, is the blessings of God are available to all of us if we hear the word. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word and do it. By the way, if you need those, that reference, it's Luke eleven twenty seven and 28. But this psalm describes to us the blessed man, and it's, it's telling us how we can be blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. First, he tells us what not to do. In the Scripture, walk is commonly to speaking of the way that we live our lives. And so he's telling us, we don't live our lives in the counsel, according to the counsel, the teaching, the advice 
the principles of the world. Now, the NIV, instead of saying the ungodly here, it uses the word wicked. And I don't really like that because the problem with saying wicked here is that we think of wicked as the worst of the worst. You know, if somebody's wicked, they're really, really bad. But that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about ungodly. What's ungodly? Not godly. It's simple. You see, a lot of the time in the church world today, we, we think we got this big gray area. Listen, it's either godly or it's ungodly. And we need to understand that if we're listening to ungodly counsel. Now, when I say counsel, I don't want anybody to, you know, get weird about this. I'm not talking about that you went for counseling or that, you know, you're getting advice. I'm going to get advice from somebody. Certainly, those situations would apply, but it's much more than that. You see, the counsel, the advice, the philosophies of this world are all around us each and every day of our life. This is something that all of us have to realize is that we got to deal with. This is real, that there's this philosophy, there's these attitudes in this world, and we can't live by those things. Instead, we have to live by the Word of God. It's not just unbelievers, by the way. No, there's a lot of ungodly people who call themselves Christians. They don't live by God's Word, and they're not godly. Why are there so many ungodly Christians? Because they've been listening to the wrong kind of input. They've been listening to ungodly people. But when it says counsel, I want you to realize that we're not just talking about a little specific situation. No, it's, it's talking about being influenced by the things of this world. It can be people that you hang out with. It can be the music that you listen to. It can be what you watch on TV. It can be social media or things that you look at on the internet. I'm just telling you, there's all kinds of ungodly influences in this world. And the man who is blessed, the person who's blessed first, they can't live their life by the ideas, the philosophies, the teachings of the world. You see... The counsel of the ungodly, it's around us every day. And we either live our life God's way or the world's way. Do you know they never call it the world's way, of course, but here's what they say. They say, I'm going to do it my way. Well, somebody made that famous, didn't they? Elvis Presley. I know some of you, you just heard the name. You have no idea who he was. But let me just tell you, he was the rich and famous He had it all. Success, fame, fortune, everything that this world has to offer, he had it. And a lot of people would call him blessed, but he so was not blessed. He was cursed. He was absolutely miserable. At 42 years old, he died of a heart attack that was brought on by prescription barbiturates. How sad. Had everything, but it didn't have the blessing of God. 
on his life. He did it, as he said, my way. You see, it sounds good when people say, you know, just do, just do you. Another one they say, they say, you know, you got to do what you think is right. And you've heard me say it before, I'm going to keep on saying it because this is such a strong philosophy of the world that it has taken over a lot of the church culture of the day. You just do what you think is right. No. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is destruction. That's what the Bible says. We do what he says is right. You can't go by the teachings, the ideas of the world. You got to go by the word of God. Amazing how people will buy into these philosophies. See, the ungodly say that you should be proud. But the Bible says that he resists the proud. The ungodly say, oh, it doesn't hurt to look. But the scripture says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. You see, just on and on and on. There's a thousand different things we could talk about this morning. I'm just wanting to get you realizing how much these philosophies, these attitudes, this counsel of the ungodly is all around us all the time. There's so many today trying to handle their finances by the world's principles. You know, they, they get a book on success. They think that this is the key. This is the best book you could ever find on finances. Because as I've already said, you can have the wealth and still be miserable without the blessing of God. But this book will absolutely show you how to handle money. A lot of people trying to do marriage by the world's philosophies. And it's everywhere. It's in the TV shows, in the music, and it absolutely disgusts me, but a lot of preachers and teachers of our day have changed the Word of God. They're twisting it and trying to make it say things and not say things. And they say, they always say, oh, we're not changing the message, just the methods. But they're lying. You go back 50 years ago and what preachers preached and taught about marriage is totally different from what a lot of those preachers are preaching today. The Bible has not changed. What has changed is they have accepted the counsel of the ungodly. And you're seeing the impact and the results of that. The truths of the scripture about marriage are still true. It doesn't change and it's still life-giving. It still brings freedom and joy and victory and blessing. Same when you talk about children. People think, oh, I got to get me some good books. So this guy got a lot of, lot of letters after his name. He's got him a lot of degrees. I'm going to listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. He's not some pump, dumb bumpkin pastor that's that little church over there. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what some smart guy think. What, what matters is what the Word of God says. And if you want to raise your children in the blessing of the Lord, then this is where you start. I'm not saying you can't learn anything else, but I'm just telling you, this is the truth. And when you, you, you don't even know when you're being deceived if you don't start with this. It amazes me how Christians are working so hard to twist this around to fit the philosophies of our day. 
Blessed is the man who doesn't walk, doesn't live his life according to the counsel of the ungodly. The only way to avoid the counsel of the ungodly is to saturate your mind with God's Word. Blessed. The blessed man, he meditates in the law of the Lord day and night. Next, he tells us, nor stands in the paths of sinners. It's talking about hanging out with ungodly people. It is a prideful thing to think that we cannot be influenced. And some of us, if we don't watch ourselves, we can get there. I mean, some of us, we think, well, I'm strong, I'm bullheaded, you know, I'm... Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. Well, if we're talking about children and teenagers, no, that's all of us. I'm too smart for that. Well, let me tell you about the wisest man that ever lived. This is what the scripture calls him, Solomon. Solomon, at some point of his life, He must have fallen into some pride that caused him to think that it would be okay if he disobeyed the Lord and he married women who worshiped other gods. And here's the tragic end. 1 Kings 11, 4, it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect with Jehovah his God. How sad. Solomon was a great man. More wisdom, more wealth than anybody before him or after him. But the end of his life is this tragic ending. Why? Because he thought that he could handle it. And I'm telling you that the Scripture warns us, don't be deceived. Who you hang around with can cause you to come down, can drag you down, can corrupt you. You need to be careful about who you hang out with. So are the people you're hanging out with, are they helping you get closer to God? Are they encouraging you to follow God's will, to obey the Lord? Jesus associated with sinners castaways and money-hungry people. Jesus even associated with Pharisees. That's right. He went to Simon the Pharisee's house for dinner. But I have to tell you something. Jesus was never ever just one of the guys. Jesus never ever was just hanging out with, you know, the sinners. That's not the way it was. Jesus went there for one purpose and one purpose only. He went to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you want to go to the bar to witness, praise God, go in with your Bible and you talk to people about Jesus, you are deceiving yourself if you think you're going to win people by sitting down and having a couple with them. That is not what Jesus did. Jesus went to win the lost. Everywhere he went, that's what it was about. Some people get so deceived, they think it doesn't matter who they hang out with and they don't understand. That's why they're lukewarm. That's why they're missing so many of the blessings of God. 
That's why they're struggling in their spiritual walk. You need to be serious about this. You can't stand in the path of sinners. You can't hang out with the wrong kind of people and have real victory in your life. And it's, that's even true when it comes to church people. Anybody ever figured this out? There's some ungodly church people. Yeah, I mean, the world knows it. We should know it. Because there are some of them, I'll tell you, some people go to church, they have insincere motives for why they're even here. There's some people that they're just playing church. It's kind of a religious thing, you know, go to church a little bit. I don't know if it has to do with relieving their conscience or what, but they're just playing church. There's some who are so deceived that they think they're just fine living in sin. But it doesn't matter. Ungodly. And here's what the Bible says about this. Sometimes I feel like I get the job of preaching scriptures that are just never preached. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. And I'm going to read it from the NIV. It's just a little simpler. I'm writing that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral. Does the Bible actually say this? Do we believe the Bible? Do not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy. Wow. An idolater or a slanderer. A drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. Now, I want you to understand something. We should always love people. And we should always try to help people. We should always be trying to reach people. Yes. But we need to be wise about who we hang out with. And this verse of Scripture, it just blows away a lot of the church culture of the day where, oh, it doesn't matter. No, Who's, who wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? That grace preacher, Paul, that one that preached grace, he says, listen, you got a brother, that goes for sisters too, amen, you got a brother that is living in open and blatant sin and refuses to repent, you can't help them, don't even eat with them. Oh, some people say, I ain't going to that church no more. That guy's crazy. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's between you and God, because that's what he said. Amen. And you see, there's a lot of people that are deceived, and all kinds of ungodly influence is coming into their life because of who they hang out with. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. The seat of the scornful or mocker is when someone is so far from God that they begin to mock and ridicule the things of God. They scoff at anything that is holy. They have a disdain for anything spiritual. And and here's, here's where the kind of rubber meets the road is they criticize, they make fun of people that are on fire for God. They criticize and make fun of people that are really going after God with the whole heart and being used to God. Well, they'll even, they'll even make fun of you for giving your money to the church. You know, you're just giving your money away to those charlatans. They'll, they'll, 
act like you're crazy for giving your time to serve in ministry, to be involved in the work of the Lord. In fact, there are a whole lot of Christians today that are such mockers. Listen, it's not, it's not people who don't believe in Jesus at all. It is backslidden mockers who say, I don't need to go down there and be with the hypocrites. They criticize, they mock, they're constantly casting this shadow of negativity over everything and everybody that's really serving God and doing anything for God. Amen. I had a big surprise. I went to Bible college. I was young, of course, and I didn't know much. I didn't grow up knowing the Scripture, and I was so excited about going to Bible college and learning the Word of God. And I was also excited about, you know, being around these Spirit-filled people who were on fire for God. I found out real quick it wasn't that way. There's a whole lot of people that were there because that was the only place that Daddy would pay for them to go to school because Daddy was hoping that they might get something and get right with God, but that wasn't always the case. I had in my mind, I was going to have this spiritual roommate. We were going to pray together every day. It's going to be awesome. Instead, my roommate was the guy that had been kicked out the year before for a moral indiscretion. And so he had come back for a semester. And his goal in life was to prove that he could make it a whole semester without getting kicked out. And I remember that one day, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, in that time frame, the Gaithers were big, mainstream Christian music. And I was listening to some Christian music, and Gloria Gaither was singing this song, and in the middle of it, she started talking, and, she, and you could tell that as she's talking that she's crying and weeping, and you know, it was really moving and everything. And I remember my roommate began to make fun of her. And I ain't saying it was right. I was young and dumb. But I told him, I said, just because you don't feel anything doesn't mean other people don't. And he walked out and he slammed the door and somehow by the grace of God, we managed to get along and make it through that semester. And he went home and the next semester I decided I was going to pay a little extra and get me a private room. <laughs> but all I'm saying to you though is you don't want to be the mocker. Amen. You don't want to head that way. You don't let that stuff get started in your heart. And you see the influences of the world on, on a Christian so often. That's how people become mockers. But here's the, con the contrast. Verse 2, but. Y'all scared yet? We're just now to verse 2. Hey, we got to get this first part, all right? But here's the contrast. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What a contrast. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He takes pleasure in it. You know, we don't say delight a whole lot that way in our culture, but we understand this. He enjoyed, he enjoys the Word of God. He loves the Word of God. He delights it. He loves the Word of God. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, I don't feel that way. That's why you need this message. You need to change your opinion and your feelings and your attitude about the Word of God. Because if you understand what the Word of God means to you, oh, you'll love it. You'll cherish it. You'll want it. It brings the blessing of God on your life. 
He meditates in it day and night. That means he thinks about it all the time, day and night. He's thinking about it. To meditate isn't some mystical, weird thing. It just means that you go over it and over it in your mind. In fact, I like to put it this way. It's prayerful reflection. You read it or you hear it, and then you prayerfully think about it and reflect on it. And as you do, and you keep on and you keep on, it's amazing how often the Holy Spirit will show you some truth in that verse that you just, the light hadn't come on before, and all of a sudden it does. And it's life-changing. You see, a lot of people, they approach the Bible as, you know, i got to get through my reading, da-da-da-da-da. And that's what they got, da-da-da-da-da. No, it is life-giving truth. And so we pray over it, and we keep going over it throughout our day, thinking about it and thinking about it. It's amazing how life itself will bring us to situations where that word applies. But it's not just a casual reading. No, it's going over it and over it. And here's the thing. This book, the words of this book, have the power to change our lives. In John 17, 16 and 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and that includes us. He says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. First of all, I want you to see that Jesus wants his people to be sanctified. We don't talk that way, do we, in church culture today? That's just, you know, that's old, outdated junk. Yes, sanctified, set apart for God, His holy people. That's who we're supposed to be. Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified by the truth. And then He defines it, He says, Your word is truth. This is the truth that will sanctify us. It cleans us up. It makes us who we are supposed to be. Not for your information, it's for your transformation. And it certainly has the power in it to change you and make you who you're supposed to be. God is preparing a people for himself, and he's using the word of God to do that. It's not the stories and tales of men, it's the word of God. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 says, Christ also loved the church. He gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her. And some people say, oh, that's with the blood. Oh, Jesus washes our sins away with the blood. But that's not what it says here, is it? Right. No, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Right. He uses the word of God to sanctify and cleanse his people. The glorious church that he's coming back for. He is preparing for himself a people that have been sanctified and cleansed by the washing of water by the word. It's not something that happens in a moment, but the church needs the cleansing of the word of God. You know, a lot of times people accuse Bible-believing Christians of being brainwashed. And sometimes they'll say that about a preacher. You know, they'll say, oh, he's just brainwashing those people. Well, let me tell you, we need to get our brains washed. We need to get our brains washed from all of the philosophy, the attitudes, the things of this world. And the Word of God is the one thing, the truth, that can show you what's right and what's not. It shows us the straight and narrow. How in this 
ungodly, perverse world. Y'all live in the same world as me, right? Ungodly, perverse. How? How can we serve God and keep our minds pure and stay on that straight and narrow? Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How could a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? You see, it is the word of God that cleans us up and helps us to live the way that God wants us to. But in Psalm chapter 1, you see there's two ways of thinking. There's two perspectives. There's two ways of living. And it's, they're totally different. There's the ungodly that live by the world's counsel. And there is that blessed man who meditates in the Word of God day and night. So many, I think, today are living a substandard, substandard Christian life because they don't daily partake of the Word of God. Listen, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The implication is, is that just like your physical body needs food, listen, your spirit needs the Word of God. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I'll tell you what, if we just took the approach that I'm going to, I'm going to feast on God's word, I'm going to meditate God's word at least as much as I eat. For some of us, that would be quite a bit. But what if we did it day and night? What if we just became consumed with the word of God? I want you to know, it'll bring the blessing of God on you. But without daily receiving the word, we end up doing things the world's way. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, that means you stay in it, if you continue in it. He says, you are my disciples indeed, as opposed to pretend. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's amazing how often I hear the world use that last part. The truth will make you free. You need to tell the truth. Well, let me tell you something. You do need to tell the truth. You should always tell the truth. But that is not at all what this verse is talking about. It's talking about the truth of God's Word. When you get that down inside of you and you really know it, see, it's one thing to kind of know it in your head, but when you really get it down inside of you that you know that you know that you know that it's true and it's right, it will change you. It'll set you free. Areas of your life you didn't even know were bound, and all of a sudden, the Word of God shows you, and you get free in some area of your life. I tell you right now, there's some people, they're all bound up in the area of praise and worship. You need to dig into the Word and what it says about praise and worship until you get free. There's some people all bound up in the area of finances. You're worried, stressed out. I didn't say you didn't have any money, but you're all bound up. You need to get free. And the only way that's going to happen is you learn the truth of God's Word. You get it down inside of you. Meditate in it day and night. See, people get bound up about money or sex or religion, and they don't even know it because they're deceived. But what they do know is they're not really happy. The ungodly man, he's not blessed. And he push, he pushes, he pulls, he lies, he fights, he cheats. He tries to take, to get all he can, to have it his way. He manipulates, there's lust, there's greed, he demands, he scrapes, he fights, scratches and claws. I don't want to live like that. The blessed man, Psalm 23, puts it pretty simple. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't lack anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I believe. I believe that these promises, that these blessings are for us. I believe that's how it's supposed to be for the child of God who's living for God and really serving the Lord. We don't have to fight and claw to get our way. No, God opens doors for us that no man can close. We don't have to try to grab what we want. We're blessed. He daily loads me with benefits. I'm just quoting a few verses to you, but I'm just telling you this book is full of blessings for us. And it doesn't depend on the world and what's going on in our world. But we got to dig into God's Word and let it change the way we think, and change our lives. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, to live this life, to even know what God's will is, we got to renew our mind with the Word of God. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The way that you think, your thought patterns, that's the kind of person that you're going to be. I want to live by the Word of God. I want to be the kind of person that God wants me to be. And the only way that we can really do that is to meditate on His Word and get it down in our heart. Verse 3 tells us about this blessing. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. A tree planted by the water, that means that even when you got a hundred, hundred degree days, 1980. Anybody remember 1980? I do. I was at youth camp that summer, and I remember the 113 to 115 week. Well, here's the thing. A tree just out in the field, a lot of them are going to die in that kind of a hot summer. But the tree planted by the water, it's going to continue to flourish. Doesn't matter how long the drought lasts, if it's planted by the water, it's going to get what it needs and it's still going to flourish. And I want you to understand, the blessed man, his blessing is not dependent upon the stock market or the government or whatever is going on in this world. God is his source and God is the one that will bless him. And when the the hard times come, we don't need to fear. I'm not telling you we're not going to go through some things. We went through COVID, didn't we? There are going to be some things we go through, but here's what I know is that God's going to bless us in spite of it. We're going to come out in victory, but not so the wicked. You see, it is during those times sometimes that God uses that to bless his people and to blow away the wicked. Well, it's in the book. It's right here. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Amen. Chaff is the hole, the outside of the wheat. You know, after they, they grind it or they, they get, the, get it broken up, kind of, they throw it up in the air in the wind, and the wind blows away that outside hole and leaves the good grain. And the Lord says that the wicked, are, the ungodly, they're like that chaff. They just get blown away in the wind.
Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. This book is a book of blessing from cover to cover. The, ver the very first chapter, it says blessed, and the last chapter, it says blessed. And I want you to know that in this book, there are so many blessings that belong to you as a child of God, but we have to be obedient to what it says. Don't be a hearer only, be a doer of the word. And this morning, we have all heard a word. I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to be a doer of this word, to meditate the word of God, to go home and search through the scripture and study it and go over it and over it. And let me just say this, listen, if you say that it's hard, I have a hard time understanding the Bible. I've been preaching the Bible for over 40 years. And I'm still learning things. I don't have it all figured out. There's, there's still things. Sometimes I read a verse and it's like, when did you put that in there? I've read this so many times. I never saw that before. This just comes alive to you. And you see, that's the way it is. You're never going to get it if you don't dig in. You got to start reading. You, just, if you can't read, get it on tape. But uh, CD, I date myself there a little, aren't I? But you get it however you can get it. Amen. This is one of the reasons why you need to be in church. Right. A Bible-believing, teaching church. Now, it's wonderful that you can watch sermon after sermon online, and I encourage you to do so, but don't think that that takes the place of being in church because there is something in the room when we gather in His name. There's something powerful. This is another good reason, though, for you to be a part of a small group or a book study is because we get together with brothers and sisters and we learn and we grow together. See, we need to be serious about this because we're living in a world, a perverse world that will drag you down and at the very least get you lukewarm. Day and night. I want to challenge you to read carefully, prayerfully, at least one chapter every morning and every night. If you don't know where to begin or you don't have a place you want to start, I just recommend reading the book of Psalms to start with. We read one chapter in the morning and one chapter at night and pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you, to show you something, to help you. And I have one even more important challenge to add to that. Every morning, find you one verse. Maybe it'll come from the chapter you read, or maybe you look for your favorite promises, but get you a verse and take it with you throughout the day. The best way is for you to memorize it. You know, a lot of people my age especially would say, oh, I can't do that. They said, that's hard. No, hard is living a life without the blessing of God. That's hard. Memorizing a verse of Scripture, it ain't that hard. And I'll just tell you, I want you to understand, this is pretend, okay? What if the pastor was going to pay every person $1,000 for every verse 
they memorized. Almost every one of us would be a millionaire by the end of the year. And here's what I want to say to you about that. You see, we just don't value the Word of God enough. It is better than silver and gold. Oh, than much fine gold. It's way better than money. If we realize the blessing of God it can bring in our life, we would value it. We would treasure it. We would delight ourselves in it. We would love it. We would enjoy it because we see it at the treasures that bring us real life and the blessing of God. So I encourage you, listen, if you can, memorize it. If you don't have time to get it memorized, put it down on a three-by-five, have it on your phone. But whatever you do, you go over it throughout your day thinking about it. And I want to tell you that it will change you. It's powerful. I want to read Psalm 1 to you from the New Living Translation, and then we're going to close. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand with sinners or join with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. They do but the wicked, they are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind, They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Blessed, blessed, way beyond happy. Blessed. Stand with me. We're going to pray.